Acts chapter 3, and this is how it reads. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called, everyone say beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered to, into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. That's why I've got my little cup up here, a little bit of change in it. He's begging for money, fixing their eyes on him. John and Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive, everyone say something. You know, you can settle in life and you'll always get something. But God is after more than that. Then Peter said, silver and gold do I not have. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately, everyone say immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked, and walked into that temple through that beautiful gate, leaping and walking and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I have four points in this teaching. We're going to be talking about your expectations. Point number one is, all of us, we, people tend to rise to the level of their expectations. You ever see people like that? Nothing good ever happens to me. Why is everything good that always happened to you? Their expectations are naturally down. Maybe they were raised that way. Maybe it's no fault of their own. I'm not pointing any fingers, but people, if you watch them, will rise to the level of their expectations. They have more because somewhere they believed for more. You ever see people get so negative? You ever hear anyone say this? Uh, you know, they had one or two bad boyfriends, so they're like, all men are dogs. <laughs> Every guy I've ever dated, they're all dogs. You know, they've had two bad dates, two bad guys, and the other three billion of us are bad. Ever hear anyone said, I've never trusted anyone? Their expectation is, wherever I go, I don't trust anybody. And they live in that narrative that's playing between their ears. And that voice that's going on in their head is louder than my voice with this microphone. Their expectations have been learned and they've been uh, premeditated and now they believe their expectations that nothing good ever happens. I'm never going to have a good marriage. I'm never going to have my head above water. I'm never going to make it better than a You ever hear anyone say, it's so hard for me to make friends? That's their expectations. So they don't have any friends. They just have you, one friend. It's so difficult to get to know anybody, you know, at church, so I just don't go. Okay, are you going to live that way? Are you going to stay that way? Is that the level of your expectations? You, ever, you, ever, you know, you guys live in a college town, a university town. College? I slept through high school, don't even know how I graduated. Never did life school. Well, you were 16 or 17 then. Now you're 30 years old. You're not the same person, I hope. Give it, give it a go and sign up for a class and see how good you do. Now you'll appreciate it that you're older. Stop talking yourself out that you were a bad high school student and got distracted like all the high school kids do. 
and go back to university and stop telling yourself that you're not college material. Well, you, you, you know, start by walking through the front door. Raise the level of your expectations. You may be the first one in your family to get a college degree. So why am I saying all that is, is because my first point goes with what I'm saying. Now that I am a person of faith, faith, my second point is, faith helps to raise the level of my expectation. Faith helps. In fact, my wife was the first one to get her college degree at Texas A&M and her master's degree, and she was the first one in her family. She broke through a barrier. She, she started imagining and dreaming. Are you like this? Of all the possibilities. You, you, what you expect out of life, you tend to get out of life. And now that you're a person of faith, don't you believe more now than you did before you got saved? Now, you, you're, the, you're the person that says, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've heard God can do an amazing stuff. Let's believe God for the best. The doctor gave you a bad diagnosis and said this is going to be the prognosis. But how many knows it's not over until God says it's over? You may be on those pills today, but you've got an expectation because you're a person of faith that God is greater than lorazepam. God is greater than Ambien. God is greater than the symptoms that you have. And you can break through that barrier because now... You, faith has caused you to believe things you wouldn't normally believe. You're like, you're like, you know, how many of you has God ever answered a prayer for you before? My wife, this, I didn't tell this in the first service, my wife was in a horrific car accident. What year was it? Oh, it's amazing how girls remember a date. 1991. Never tell a story if your wife is in the room unless you get the date straight. Even when you're preaching, she'll, she, they'll tell you they're right. 1991, black ice, and we're from, you know, we were pastoring in Maine, so those of you in Flag, you're very familiar. But um, she, she rolled, uh, the car rolled over, and she broke her second and third vertebrae. If you know anything about your body, that's not good. And, and got paralyzed from one half of her body. The, the right side of her body was paralyzed. Our daughter, who's our worship leader, was thrown through the, the window of the car into a tree. It's sensitive because it's, my, it's our baby. My wife is there with a broken neck. My daughter's thrown through the car into a tree and knocks her out, breaks her jaw, breaks the side of her face. It was horrific. My, our youngest boy, Nathaniel, big, great big fat Michelin baby, he was huge, our youngest boy. He, he's upside down in his car seat. Thank God for car seats. And, and long, long story short, she literally had to hold her head up, literally to, to find Dion, our little daughter, and prayed with her and held on to her in a farmhouse, called the, called the ambulance. And you know, when you're, when you know, when you know, when you're at home and the state police calls you, you know, it's like, okay, what now? Get to the hospital and, and, and uh, she gets paralyzed. She gets put in the halos and all that tractions. The doctor calls us. We're, she's at home. She's released to come home. And the great neurosurgeon of New England and says, bring her in as quick as possible. Her neck is slipping. Her neck is slipping. And he says, get her as fast as you can. We live in Maine, you know, rural roads. How many ever heard of potholes? He's like, get her as fast as you can, but don't bump her. She'll be, par she'll be paralyzed for life. I'm like, 
Well, that's a dumb thing to say. I'm already nervous. I'm already shaking. So, you know, Deanna came through her surgery and she's healed and blessed. Thank God. Uh, and, and so I'm driving Rhonda. We get to the hospital. We sign all these papers for limited liability and, and we can't blame and sue and all that. And he says, we're going to go in. We're going to put metal in her neck, a plate. This plate, he said, then wire. And we're going we're gonna to stabilize these second and third vertebrae. They're broken and they, they need to be stabilized. So I said, do whatever you got to do. We went upstairs in the prayer room and we started praying. We had people praying all over the country. And 30 minutes, it's supposed to be an eight-hour surgery. 30 minutes, the phone rings and the nurse says, the doctor wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, what, what now? And I go and he, and he was not a believer he was not a believer, and he, we were trying to make him a believer. And so he goes, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but we, we opened up your wife, and if she pulls her hair up, you can see the scar today. We opened her up all the way, for, low, her back all the way up to her neck. We went in to put the plate in, and I, can, I don't know how to say this, but the bones have fused themselves together. And he said, we didn't put a plate in. We didn't put wire in. You can take her home. And these were his words. She can go bungee jumping. 24 hours ago, he's telling me, get her in her as fast as you can. Her neck is going to slip and sever her spinal column. And 24 hours later, the neurosurgeon is saying, take her home. She can go bungee jumping. And look at her today. She can move all full range of motion. She hasn't been bungee jumping yet, but she's trying to get on the amazing race, and maybe she will. Uh, but when God does that, in, in becoming a person of faith, you start to believe, could it be? Can God do things? And when God did that, and so I'm, I got him on the phone. I'm not letting him off the phone. I'm like, so what are you saying, doctor? Is this a miracle? <laughs> and in his own way, he goes, well, I guess you could say that. This is some kind of miracle. I've never seen anything like this before. And when God does that, you know what I'm doing now? I go around looking for people to pray for. Why? Because the level of my expectation is if God can heal a second and third vertebrae and she shouldn't be walking and lost all kinds of range of motion, what can God do in your life? Come on up here, let me pray for you. We look for people to pray for. Don't run up here now. So what am I saying today? Listen, you can play it safe the rest of your life. You know, like the lame man, you know, he was around people walking all the time. And, and he knew that if he just showed up, he'd get something. You know if you show up, if you just keep the status quo, you're probably going to get something. You get a little job, and you get a little welfare help, and you get a little this, and you get a little that. But, but, but why settle when God has more? Why settle for a wheelchair when God wants you walking? Because you know why a lot of people settle? Because it's safe down here. It's safe down here. The fear, what if I try? What if I try, Pastor Joe, and I fail? Well, the fear of failing, you know, if I just play it safe, it's safe down here. It's safe not trying and believing God that I can have a nice life, that there could be peace in my life. Point number three, don't be afraid to break up your routine to get more out of life. 
you know, I, I use this illustration. If you're going to be a runner, you want, your, your dream is to run, and, be, and you just want to run through these beautiful woods. And who wouldn't want to be a runner running through pine needles and wonderful places you have to run? Reminds me of Maine and growing up in, in New England. And, uh, but you can't just be sitting on a couch with your hand halfway down a bag of Oreos and never become the runner that you really want to be. You've got to get out there where the action is, and you've got to see people running and say, well, if she can do it, then I can do it. Right? And, and, and so when you see something, it's difficult for you to reach for something if you don't even know it's there. And my point, the main point of this miracle is that somebody cared enough about this guy because how easy would it have been for him to say, just leave me at home. I've jacked up my life so much and I've been so screwed up my life. Just leave me at home. No, they said, we're going to keep putting you at the gate called beautiful. We're going to keep bringing you to a beautiful gate. We're going to keep exposing you to people that are walking and moving and have freedom of movement. And we're going to keep putting you there. And I know sometimes when you first come to church and, and your life is a little jacked up, it's, all, it's almost painful to see people happier than you. It's almost painful to see people in relationships that are working when yours did not work out so well. But you've got to keep putting yourself in a situation where you see better because how are you going to believe for better unless you see better? Unless you're around better. Break up the pattern. Don't be afraid to break up your routine. How many of you are just, you just love your routine? <laughs> you go to the same grocery store, same time during the week. When you leave church today, how many ways are there to get home? Well, there's only one way to get to my house. <laughs> there's only those three roads that take me right home. We go home the same way. How many of you come to church and you sit on the same side every Sunday? You know what you should do? You should freak out Pastor Landon and just live on the edge next Sunday and switch sides. Just everyone, this side, sit over here, and this side, you come over here and just blow his mind. He'd be like, wow, look what's happening here. We're living on the edge now. But we're creatures of habit. We love our routine. But in order to expect God for more, you're going to have to break some old routines. If you want more out of life, you're going to have to learn to. Uh, I told the story that my wife and I, how many of you sleep on the same side of the bed? What happens if you get on the wrong side of the bed? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and how, many of you, how many of you even said, like, I can't, I can't sleep on this side of the bed? We, we, we have this conversation, no matter what, we've been married 40 years, this August 4th is 40 years. We, we still have this conversation, we go into a, ho a hotel room, we walk in like, okay, now if we're at home, which way? I'm sleeping, I'm left-handed, I gotta be on the left side of the bed, I gotta be facing left. And she's like, no, you gotta sleep on the right side of the bed because that's closer to the door, and if anyone breaks in that door, you gotta slow them down so I can get out this window to safety. <laughs> Sometimes you have to, you know, I, I, I hear this a lot. We have a lot of new people in our church, and we have two services like y'all do. And people come in and say, Pastor Joe, I'm just not used to going to church so much. Not, we go to church more than, you know, ten times more than our parents ever did. Well, yeah, 
Zero compared to two times a month is a 200%. If all you've ever been around is lameness and weakness and spiritual lethargy, any amount that you do is a lot more than what you've been raised seeing. And many times people end up doing just what they've always seen. I mentioned this in the first service about our first time we pastored was in New Jersey. After two internships, we ended up in New Jersey, Perth Amboy, right at the Outer Bridge Crossing to Staten Island there. We had our first church, the Amboy's Antioch. And uh, we were in the storefront there. And um, I remember the first time going to Fort Apache in the Bronx and all through the five boroughs and seeing these massive apartment complexes and a lot of them and I would say what are those and they said well that's the projects first time I've seen the projects and uh what is that they said that's where all the poor people live if you don't can't afford that's free housing you live there free you just qualify move right on in and I had been catching it now it's uh you know 1980 so probably built in the 60s and 70s 15 20 years gone by they really looked rough and I came to a conclusion like, you know, that's not right. I, that, that's, that's not working. And the reason is it goes along with my message is how can you want more unless you know there is more? How could this guy know something better unless somebody placed him in a place so he could see better? He could want more. I want what you have. You got, you got something I don't have. I don't think it's a good, this is not social or politics or a political statement, but I don't think it's good for all the poor people to live together. There, there's been times in our life we've been starving college students and living off $10, you know, a week with groceries and all of that. We've been poor before. There's nothing wrong with being poor, but the, the, the problem is if that's all they've ever known and all they've ever seen is people generation after generation of people in poverty, and if that's all they ever know, they expect to be just like this. We have kids coming to our youth group now. I, I was looking over. We have two buildings, and I was looking at the youth building, and these, and these parole officers were walking into our, our youth uh, meeting to make sure everyone was where they should be, I reckon. And I was watching this happen. They had the vest on, their guns. It looks pretty official, you know, when they come walking across the parking lot. And we've got a couple kids. They got a little uh, larger than they want bracelet on their ankle. No bling to it. A lot of black, but no bling. And I thought, I thought there, now we know we're getting somewhere in the community. Finally. We're breaking the mold. We're breaking through to kids that there is more than what they've seen. If all they've ever seen is divorce and dysfunction and uh, domestic violence and drugs and two adult delinquents that never grew up is trying to raise them, I'm not surprised that a 15 and 16-year-old kids are already in trouble with the law with ankle bracelets. Not surprised because that's all they've ever known. But what we need to do is get them around people that are stronger and have purpose and that have doing life better than they are so they can say, well, God is no respecter of persons. If they can do it, then I can get out of this mess. <laughs> Expecting more. But if that's all they've ever seen, then that's all they've ever known. The point is they lack even an appetite for wholeness because they've never seen a happy couple. 
They've never been around a nice grandparents. They've never been to a good church. They've never been around decent kids. They never had a kiss on the face goodnight, knowing that their mom and dad is in the next bedroom. If all they've ever seen is something, how can they expect to see something more and believe and have something more? You ever see those girls sometimes where they, you're like, you're just scratching your head and you're like, why didn't you choose the nice guy? And they're like, you know, he's got a car that he doesn't live with his mother and he owns his own house. You know, he's got a truck, he's got a real job. And they go like, yeah, I know, he's just too nice. That's what they say. For years, I'm 58 years old, I've seen a lot of this. I've been pastoring a long time. And they end up choosing the bad guy, the bad boy. Why did you choose that guy? He's still living with his mother. He's exciting and dangerous, you know. And here's the problem. When someone comes along and likes you more than you like yourself, you don't know how to handle it. You you don't know how to process it. Because you're not expecting more. Because all you know is bad and ugly and to be treated a certain way. And so you've always been treated that way. You end up going through life expecting more of that. Just like this guy, he's broken, he's dirty, he's broke. His normal, his nasty became his normal. He's just expecting more of the same. But thank God for somebody who kept picking him up and putting him in a place, maybe of a little agitation, but he was around people that were, had power in doing life better than him. So he started to have a little bit of expectation of what God can really do. He's at a beautiful gate with an ugly problem and is an oxymoron. Pastor, how can I be in such a beautiful church with such a nasty secret? You can. That's why this this story is in the Bible for, for us. That we can be close to something beautiful. We can rub up against it and visit it once every Sunday morning and say, I'm close to it. Yeah, you're close, but you're not going in. Your, 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 your life is not changing. You're, you're, you're settling for being just in the room. We are happy that you're here, but God has more for you than that. God, God wants to bring strength to your life where you start to believe, I'm going to get up one day and I'm not just going to be in a beautiful church. I'm going to walk through my gate because gate just means a door of opportunity that God has more. It wasn't about the money when Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. What they're saying is, what you don't need more of the same. Are you ready to believe for something more than what you've been getting in life? wasn't about silver and gold wasn't about any of that he's ready they're, they're, they're ready to give him something that he's never even thought of before so what's the good news in all this story no our, our fourth point is we build routines around our lameness around the things we think we cannot change we build a routine around our lameness 
Pastor Joe, I go to church on Sunday morning, but usually by Friday night, I kind of freak out. And I find myself back at the old watering hole or the old self kicks in and I am so far from God, but that's why I'm here on Sunday morning. I get to get back on track. The good news for you is this. You are sitting in a beautiful place. You are next to the door that all you got to do is go through today. Stop sitting and being close. It's like saying, Pastor Joe, you'd really be proud of me. I'm almost free. I'm almost delivered. Well, if you're almost, today's your day. The good news, this story ends like this. Peter and John walk up to him. Silver and gold have I none. Do you want more of the same? Because I do have some change I can give you. If you want more of the same, I'll give you that. But they said, I'm going to use you, okay? Ramon, right? And Jamie. Silver and gold have I none. But they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And watch what happened. Nothing happened. You're like, hmm, that worked last time. How many, how many knows there's, there's no other name like Jesus? We, we say the name Jesus and darkness flees and devils leave and changes the atmosphere of your house. That's why you should go around the house singing and tell Alexa, play, you know, Hillsong or Bethel. And you change the room just with the name Jesus. But how many knows every time we try to put God in a box, he blows it up. I'm like, all right, what are we going to do now? That's what the Bible said. Nothing happened until Peter said, give me your hand. Like, you're not staying down. You can pray with people. Lay hands on them. But if you have the power to lift them up, that's your part. Maybe after church, you know, follow them to their car and say, "Ah, God just told me to do this and please don't act weird. Follow me to the gas station. I want to fill your car up with gas. Just one hand up, not a hand out. Help them get through their week. For those of you who have more, you may pay a single parent's rent for the month. And you'll change their life. Peter realized, I I prayed for you. I said the right words, but nothing ain't happening. Peter realized, I got to help you up. That's why we're here. That I'm here for Ramon today. I'm here because God wants me here, and he wants me to help you get up. So we're brothers now. And I'm going to pull as hard as I can. That's what Peter did. He pulled and the Bible said, then something happened. When Peter started doing his part, the Bible says something happened in the heavens. We know God is going to do his part. I want to do my part. We don't, I don't want to let you down. I don't know you, Ramon, but I don't want to let you down. And the Bible says something happened in the heavens, and all of a sudden strength came to his ankles that he never had before. And he went running and leaping and walking through the beautiful gate that he just sat Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday with nothing happening. This was his day. This is your day. No more settling for a few more coins to get us through the week. 
Whoa, I want God to heal me so I can run with this thing. Let's stand together if you believe God for more. I want your expectation to go through the roof now. I want you to believe God for the best. We're not settling. I want you to believe God for the happiest marriage on earth. That you value one another and you spoil one another and you say, what can I do for you today? And you make your, your home is your castle. It could be a one-bedroom apartment or it could be a castle. You make it. This is God's house. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to believe God for big things in our life. No more settling. You don't pray, Lord, send me a man. Just any old man will do. God knows it's hard finding a good one. No, 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 no. You're not going to settle anymore. You're a woman of God. You're a man of God. You're a child of God. A king's ransom was paid for you for you never to go back and never settle. You tell God exactly the man that you need and the wife that you need in your life. And don't you settle for anything less. No more settling. Who, who here today is ready to throw your cup away? Because all this cup represents is a limit on your life. This cup can only get so full and then you go home and this is all you'll ever get. I'm ready to throw the cup out the window on the way home. Don't. That's littering around here. I think they bust you for that. <laughs> but I want to throw that cup of limitation away. Why settle when God has more? Why settle for change when God has real change for you. You're no more living being close to a beautiful thing. Now I'm living in the beautiful thing. I'm strong, I'm walking, I'm strength, I'm never going back. Let's pray for each other. Put your hand on your heart. Let's seal this deal today. Say, Lord Jesus, I'll never settle again. I am your child. I belong to you. I am a king's kid. I am royalty. I am bought with a price. I am not for sale. I throw my cup of limitation, of settling away today for the rest of my life. I am strong. I am healed. I am whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's seal it. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Shout unto the Lord.